use my words carefully. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew, uh, Philippians, nowhere near Matthew. <clears throat> Philippians chapter number 2. And um, my heart is heavy this morning, but it's also thrilled to be here today. And um, I started last Sunday morning with just the in- introduction of this message of what he became, talking about Christ becoming certain things. And then Sunday night we got through the first two points and I've still got three points, maybe even another time two more points. We'll just kind of see. But um, since Sunday night, I've, I've been raring to go. I've been wanting to to get to this message. And I almost decided this past Wednesday night to go ahead and try to finish up this message, what he became. And my mind continues to go back. Of course, this is December the 4th. And so in most pulpits today, there's, there's preachers probably preaching about the shepherd boys. Uh, maybe, maybe they're preaching about the manger. Um, maybe I don't know. They, they'd be preaching about all kinds of different things this morning. Uh, but I said it last week, and i got to say it again today, that before we see Jesus in the manger, we really need to know what he became when, when he became that little baby in the manger. And so that's my heart today as we were uh, singing somewhere along the line. I don't even know if I wrote it down or just thought it. But um, uh, this morning at the house, I was singing... Um, in the garden. And I got to thinking, Brother Nick, that it was in the garden of Eden that men sinned. And then it was somewhere really close to a garden, otherwise there wouldn't have been a stable when Jesus was born. And then the night before Jesus died, Jesus was in the garden when he prayed. But then on that third day when he got up, he was in a garden. So there's something special about this this garden. And there's something special about the things that happened in those. Because by one man, sin entered into the world. Where was that? I was in the garden. But I'm glad that the next time we see a man in a garden, it's just right outside the, the furrowed brows of the ground where Jesus is in a manger. Miss Kim, Jesus came to fix what that first man, the second Adam, the second man, if you will, came to fix what the first man did. And it started in a garden. That ain't got nothing to do with what I'm talking about this morning. Oh, goodness. I Look, we got out, Brother Jim, Brother David, we got out before 12 last week. We got out near about 6.30 last Sunday night. I ain't going to make nary one of them promises today. It, I promise, Brother David, Brother Jim, it's not punishment. It's not punishment at all. But, man, I, I'm going to try my best to do what God says to do and then stop. And so if I stop abruptly, that means God said, hold on the reins. All right, Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 8. 
the Bible says, And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So to this point we found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that he became poor for us. In Galatians chapter number 3, we preached Sunday night, he became a curse for us. And, and that scripture that we read, uh, it refers back to Deuteronomy chapter number 21. And it says, for he that is hanged is accursed of God. And that word accursed or cursed in the New Testament, it means that he is hated of God. He is despised and rejected of God. And I need your church to understand that Jesus became cursed for you and I. He was rejected. He was despised by men. But Kurt mentioned it this morning in Sunday school. And when the darkness fell and God turned His back on the very Son of God and He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was at that point it was at that point that Christ became cursed for you and I. Because why was He on the cross? He was on the cross for you and I. And so now here in Philippians, we see number three in our message, He became obedient unto death. I want us to notice just in this particular verse uh, uh, here, and we'll go back just a few verses. It says in verse number six, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I want us to see here His former glory. We think of God and we think of Him in three persons, and that's a biblical view of Him. It is, we mentioned this earlier, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. We can see throughout Scripture where there's this thing called, maybe you've heard of it, maybe not, but a thing called theophanies or Christophanies, where oftentimes in the Old Testament it will say the angel of the Lord. And many times I believe that those are uh, uh, kind of an incarnation of Christ on earth. Uh, he has taken that form of a human so that he can communicate with men. We see this with Abraham uh, when he told Abraham that he was going to bear a child. We can see it in other ways. Uh, but here we see that Christ in becoming obedient unto death he left His former glory. He left His former glory. It says, Who being in the form of God, He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, I need to, to kind of look at this phrase. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, He is the Son of God, Brother Samuel. He is the second person in the Trinity, in the Godhead. And it, let, let's... I'm not correcting the King James. I would never do that. But let's, let's just pull that, that word not out of that. For he thought it robbery to be equal with God. Well, that's a completely different phrase. The Bible essentially says he did not think it was robbery or wrong to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. Because he was God in the flesh. He was God, as we said last time, in, with skin on. He was God. You could touch him. You could feel him. And when he left his former glory, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. There was nothing wrong, Brother Stanley, with him being God in the flesh. There was nothing wrong with him walking around as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He could have very easily been that ruler like the people of Rome thought he would come as. 
He could have been the king like the people of, of the Jews thought that he should have. But instead, he thought it not robbery to become, to uh, be equal with God. But what does he say? But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. You see, he could have come. He could have set everything in order. He could have decided, I'm just going to reign with a rod of iron. I'm not going to let anyone in sin. I'm going to throw those wicked men in hell. I'm going to do these things. But instead, as he passed through the ages of time, he left the glory that he so so deservedly shared in heaven with God. He left those angels crying, Holy, holy, holy. He left those seraphims giving glory. He left those angels giving him praise and worshiping all the time. He left all of those things, Brother Kenny, for you and I. He thought it not robbery, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. So let's look at this. We see his former glory. We see now his fashion display. He made himself of no reputation. The Bible says in John chapter number 1, He came to His own, but what happened? His own received Him not. We mentioned um, last week, uh, pardon me, I don't remember exactly where it was, but we talked about, it was in the book of John, he said that they, they're going to hate you because they hate me. He was not going to win any popularity contest. Why? Because he fashioned, he made himself of no reputation. I was reading just before church, I pulled out one of those uh, books by Charles Spurgeon in one of his uh, messages, and he said this about Philippians chapter two, verse number eight. He uh, verse number uh, uh, seven, rather. He said that the Creator became creation, and the Son of God became Son of Man. Think about that for a moment. It was Jesus and the Holy Ghost that God was speaking to in Genesis when He said, "Let us make man in our image." John chapter number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say that He created everything. Jesus Christ created everything. He was there in person when it happened, and now He has been made creation. Wow. Hunter, He did it for you. He did it for me. He took upon Him the form of a servant, the Scripture said. Again, he could have come as anything that he wanted to, Brother Jim. He could have come as his businessman. He could have came as a philosopher. He could have come as a religionist. He could have come as anything that he... He could have been the greatest high priest that ever walked in, in shoe leather at the time. But he came with no reputation. Why? Because he loved you. Let's look at this. He was made in the likeness of man. We have to remember, first of all, that he was in the form of God, but now he is fashioned as a man. And in that, he has humbled himself. We just, we just sang the song, a sinner, what was a sinner by choice, an alien by birth. We were born aliens from God, alienated from God. We were born sinners. We remain sinners by choice. We remain in our sin by choice. If we wanted to make a right or a better choice, then we would make it to be more like Christ. 
But here, Christ decided uh, to do the exact opposite, Brother Lee, and leave all of those things to become men, to become man like you and like myself. Why did He do this? Because He loved us. We notice also His focused desire. We look back at verse number 5. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to read in succession these verses. Verse 6, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We see his focused desire. Paul said, let this mind be in you. What is this mind? To become obedient unto death. He says in verse number 8, even the death of the cross. Christ's goal was not just to come as a man. Christ's goal was not to celebrate His birthday on December the 25th. Christ's goal was not to have people love or to hate Him. His goal was to die on the cross. That's why He came, Brother Kenny. The blood of goats and animals, they... They ran through the streets and from the temple day after day after day. And all they did was push back the sin for a day or for a period of time or for a year. But nothing could truly atone for the sin of man. They could find pure animals. They could find pure sacrifices. But there's none so pure as the Son of God. There was none sinless. There was no one sinless then, and there's no one sinless now. And, and there's there's a song I used to sing, and um, I think it's called "Feel the Nails." And I always struggle with the phrase in that song, and it says, "Does he still feel the nails every time I fail?" And it goes on and says, do I crucify Him when I sin? Well, can I answer that question right here once and for all? You could sin all day long and He'll never be crucified again. He'll never go on that cross again. Somebody asked me this week, kind of in general, about about images of Christ and images of of this and wearing jewelry. And and, uh, I've always, Brother David, I've always had an issue with, with the crucifix. Not necessarily the cross, but with Jesus being on that cross. I feel like there's a difference then, and that is a crucifix. And I, for one, I don't want to. I don't want to have any, even any furniture in the church that shows Christ on the cross because He's not, and He never will be again. Listen, one of these days, my children may have children. You may have children. But Nick, you may have children one of these days, and you may make your parents a grandparent. One of these days, Nathan, you're going to have children. But just because you're a different generation, and there might be new temptations out there, Jesus will never one time again 
have to leave His glory in heaven to come as a little baby and to live a life of 30 years or 33 years and be crucified somewhere for any reason whatsoever. He did it once. And every drop of blood that fell from His body is enough to atone for men's sin everywhere. When these two lovebirds over here, uh, when they get to the point where they uh, begin to uh, uh, realize that they are a sinner and they need to call out on God, we ain't got to put out an APB on the blood of Christ. All they got to do is call on the Lord and they will be saved. And that blood will be applied. Hey, listen, uh, you might be here and you might be over 80, 90 years old. You might have been saved for, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. But I want you to know how that blood blood will never go stale. That blood will never dry out. That blood will never not be able to cover any sin that you've got in your life. I want you to know today of what Christ became. He became obedient unto death. Why did He do that? He did it for you and He did it for me. His goal was to die. You know what our goals are today? Our goals are, and I'm not being silly, but our goals are to live every day. Our goals are, I said it this morning, you you get up every day, you put one foot in front of the other. One day at a time. Sometimes that's all you can do. But our goal is to live. Our goal is to amass some sort of wealth. And, and, and I don't want that to be taken out of context either. But, but we work so that we have. And, and we give so that others can have. We try to help. We try to do. But Jesus' purpose for coming was to die for you and for me. Let's look at number four. Number four, He became sin. I had someone in Knoxville absolutely um, disagree with me on that statement that Christ became sin. Well, they left wrong. They arrived wrong and they left wrong because they they were basing their beliefs on my beliefs, what James Burke said. But when I told them what God's Word said, here's the sad part. They still went away not believing that Christ became... Listen, listen, listen. listen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us. Let, let's, let's just go back. I ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go back. Let's look at verse number 18. And all things are of God, listen, are of God, who hath reconciled unto us, unto Himself. Somebody tell me, how did God reconcile us unto Himself? If you got your Bibles, what does it say? By Jesus Christ. About three of y'all need to slap somebody sitting on the left of you and run around the building three times right there. It says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, uh-oh, the ministry of reconciliation. The, that's a whole nother message. The, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Why does God want us to go and preach the gospel? And, and, and I gotta define it. 
preach is not just get up here and hack and snot and yell, uh, but preach is to publish, to proclaim, to testify, to put the Word out there, to be a herald and say, I've got good news, I've got good news. So He has given unto us a ministry of reconciliation. Why would God want you and I to go out and share the good news? Because the good news, Miss Denisha, is the only thing whereby one man or one woman can be reconciled unto God. He has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at this. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What about it? So God has reconciled us to Himself. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And now He has given us the word of reconciliation. Goodness gracious. So how in verse number 18 did He reconcile us? By Christ. In the beginning was the word. What is the word of reconciliation? Jesus Christ. Back her up. It's not Allah. It's not Muhammad. It's not James. It's not Jody. It's not Ansley. It is not... Mm. One name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It, the word of reconciliation is Jesus Christ. Y'all ain't helping me, and I'm about half mad about it this morning because I'm pre- I feel like I'm preaching by myself. We're gonna get in the car, and Lori's gonna say, "You know, everybody's saying Amen." Listen, when you get up here, we're deep. I can't hear nothing. But so if y'all will jump up, throw the baby in the air, Miss Samantha, whatever it may be. Woohoo! Hey, let's just do it, and I'm telling you, it'll be visual, and we can have it. So He became sin for us. So let's look real quick. I can't be going verse to verse. It's going to mess me up. His ministry concerning man. Let's look at verse number 18. He says that we are now given the ministry of reconciliation. This word reconcile or reconciliation, it means to bring two parties that are at variance together. It means to bring two parties that are at variance together. It means to bring two parties that are at variance together. It means to bring those that are away from God to God. It means to bring the darkness to light. You know what happens to darkness when it comes in contact with light? It disappears. I said it disappears. He is to bring those that are at variance together. It goes on. And He says to bring those that are at enmity, friendship. Romans chapter 5, verse number 10. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved from His life. Can I I just tell you something? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you believe that? But I believe the difference in Jesus' death was, I believe the plan of Jesus' death was not just to die, but to live again. If he had not gotten up from the grave, he had been just like every other man. If he had not gotten up from the grave, he had died, 
He had been looked down upon like every other man. But honey, I'm here to tell you today that he did get up on that day. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 5 again. He says that when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. The reason we can call upon the name of the Lord for salvation is because He ain't dead. Amen. It's because He's alive. It's because He got up. It's because He's living. Hey, I want you to know today that the hope that we have after death is the hope that He is because He got up. Ministry of reconciliation. So we see here His ministry concerning man. He is to reconcile man. His motive concerning man. Let's look at verse number 19. To wit, for this cause, to wit means for this cause, that God was in Christ, reconciling the word unto him, the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. His motive concerning man. This word impute, it means to attribute or to ascribe. He says, listen, if you trust on the Lord, if you believe on the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul or spirit, He said you're going to be saved. He said, call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. John 3.16, believe on the Lord and you will be saved. Listen, how can we have such assurance? It is because the sin of you and myself was not imputed unto us. It was not ascribed. It was not attributed to us, Brother Kirk. But rather, it was laid upon the back of Christ. He became sin for us. Jody was telling me something he got on his phone this morning. It was a picture of you in the graveyard. I don't know how to tell. I wish, I wish I was saved in a graveyard. Man, you told me something else. That blessed my ever loving gizzard out. But I'm, t- I was saved. I was saved on the back bumper of my daddy's truck, and it was greasy. It was dirty. Mosquitoes flying everywhere. I mean, there was not a clean nothing except that inch and a quarter inch. Because I'd sat there and scrubbed that thing, uh, hoping to God uh, that He'd give me one more chance, but also hoping against hope that I was already saved and didn't need what I was feeling. But I'm gonna tell you something. Once I dropped that wrench and I got around the back of that truck, uh, there was something in my heart uh, that said, listen, all those things that you're feeling guilt and shame about, all those things that you've done yesterday, all those things that you've done in the dark corners of the world, he said, I want you to know uh, that all those sin was placed upon uh, the back of the loving Savior. You don't have to bear it anymore because Christ became sin for you. His motive concerning man, his motive was not to impute, not to place their trespasses on men, but rather it was laid on his account. Let's notice last today, his mercy concerning man. Verse number 21, I didn't even read the whole verse. For he hath made him, he, he, there is God. For he, second word, is God. For he hath made him, Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made oh, the righteousness of God in Him. You see, we're looking now at His mercy concerning man. 
We've already seen over there in Philippians chapter number 2 about his obedience. We, we see now his singular mind with God. God is the one that, that made him to be sin for us, but it was the Son of God that fully committed to the work of which God had instituted. Before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain. The Lamb was slain. Listen, before you and I were ever a glimmer in our mother's eye, Brother Bobby, God had already planned one day to save your soul and to get you out of that junk you were in. I want you to know today, hey, my wife don't say a whole lot, but before that day that she turned around at chapel, she thought she was already saved. But there was something saying you need to go back. I'm about to run for my wife and you owe me. Hey, but on that day, she come up from chapel and she said something wasn't right. So she turned around. I don't remember who she talked to, but said something's not right. I need to be saved. It was glorious on that day over at the hill in Seymour at the Christian church there because somebody's Somebody's sin, somebody's sin was imputed on the Christ. Somebody's sin was forgotten at Calvary. Somebody's sin at that point, it was, hey, mercy was shown. Mercy was shown there. Mercy was shown when you received salvation. Mercy, mercy, there was great and there was um, graceless free. Oh my goodness, I don't even know what song that was, but those words just came to my mind. We've seen His obedience. God made Him to be sin for us. But notice what the Bible says. Who knew no sin. What about it? Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14 and 15. We, we say this. Well, who knew no sin is what the Scripture said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He knew no sin. So we say, well, if He knew no sin, then why do we trust in Him? Why do we say verses like Hebrews 4, uh, 4, verse 14 and 15? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Why should we hold fast our profession in Jesus Christ? What makes Him so special? What did He ever do for me? Listen to verse 15. For we have not an high priest. He's not like all the rest. Somebody help me say it right there. Which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Or in other words, He can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But within all points tempted like as we are here in our text, He said, who knew no sin... Here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, he was tempted in all points like as we are, Brother Kenny, yet without sin. I want you to know today that he knew what it was like to be tempted, but he knew no sin. I know what it's like to be tempted, but I also know what it's like to sin. Even in my purest of hearts, I know what it's like to be sin. Even when I desire to forget the things that I've done, it's still evident. It's still, it's still there. It's still at the forefront of my mind. I can't forget those things. But not one time has Christ ever thought of Himself. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have. I'm about to run. Jody, you're going with me. Not one time has ever Christ, I thought while He's at the right hand of God about something wrong that He did. 
wrong that he said, some thought. He never had a regret of any wrongdoing, any sin, any transgression. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. I want you to know today that the Paul wrote it right. Who knew no sin? Why? He, he could not have known sin and shown mercy. The mercy that we needed had to come from someone pure. Had to come from someone who, who had experienced temptation, but had never tasted sin. Y'all, go ahead. Y'all eating chicken wing this afternoon? Go ahead and just chew on that for a minute. He knew no sin, but we did. It says, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. His mercy concerning man. We've seen His obedience. We see that He knew no sin. He didn't have sin, but we did. It was our debt. And it was a debt that we could not pay. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 is still in the book that the wages of sin is death. It is death. No matter which way you paint it, no matter how, how, how much makeup you put on it, the wages of sin is and always will be death. But the gift of God... But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It was our debt, but we couldn't pay. He had mercy concerning man. What do you mean? That we might be, who knew no sin, He was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Brother Jim, this hit me. This hit me. It doesn't say that we were made righteous. Because of Him. It says that we were made the righteousness of God. Y'all think about that for a minute. For a minute. We became partakers. We became part, we became partakers of God's righteousness. But according to this verse, we became, when we got saved, we became the righteousness of God. You see, we had a debt that we couldn't pay, Samuel. But Christ did. And in being made sin for us, and being made sin for us who, who knew no sin, we were made the righteousness of God in or of Him. In Christ. Because of Christ. By Christ. Of Christ. The only glory that we can ever have is because of Christ. The only way that we can ever get into heaven is because of what Christ did. The only way that we can truly appreciate that baby in a manger is because Christ became some things for you and I. The only way that we can truly think and sing in harmony about that silent night and oh, come all ye faithful in the little town of Bethlehem and the holy, oh, holy night the only way that we can truly appreciate those things is to know who it truly is and what He become in that manger. Let's stand. Let's get a song of invitation. I'm glad this morning that, that Jesus came for me. That He became some things for me. I'm glad today that I don't have to be on the outside looking in and my breath fogging up the glass of what Christ did for us. But I'm glad, Brother John, that I'm on the inside 
Instead of looking in or looking out, I can look up and I can see what He became for me. But because of His becoming, I'm glad that I became some things. Amen. That might be next in this whole situation. What we, whoop, what we became because of Him. 